Our preaching text for today comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, 10 through 16, and 24 through 29. Hear now this reading. The rabble among them had a strong craving. And the Israelites also wept again and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. And there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families all at the entrances to their tents. Then the Lord became very angry and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you treated your servant so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people upon me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a sucking child to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where am I to get meat for all this people? For they come weeping to me and say, give us meat to eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone, for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you're going to treat me, put me to death at once. If I have found favor in your sight, do not let me see my misery. So the Lord said to Moses, gather for me, 70 elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders over the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place there with you. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And then the spirit rested upon them and they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medad, and the spirit rested on them. They were among the registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, one of his chosen men, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts, be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The lectionary texts for this week all hold a common thread that seemed to be most strongly articulated in this passage from Numbers. And the thread that weaves itself throughout all of these passages is the exceptionally human feeling of being overwhelmed or overcome by a burden, a sense of fear and exhaustion when one comes to the end of oneself. We all know this feeling, right? 
Whether we like to admit it or not, we have encountered situations in our lives that might just make us say, I can't do this. I admit that I have had many situations in both my personal and my professional life that have led me to such a point. But two in particular come to mind. The first occurred when I was in my second year of seminary. Now, if you are familiar with the schedule of coursework for obtaining a Master's of Divinity, I know at least three of us up here are, and there are some out there who are, but a lot of people compare the three years you spend in seminary to the events of the crucifixion. As in, the first year, you're crucified. <laughs> the second year, you're buried in the tomb for Holy Saturday. And then the third year, you miraculously resurrect from the dead, right? So this particular situation is occurring during my tomb year, if you will. <laughs> during my second year at Candler School of Theology, I was taking about 16 to 18 hours of coursework. Most of these classes being some of the most difficult ones that I had to take in order to get my degree, like systematic theology and exilic texts and exegesis on those exilic texts and all that fun mumbo jumbo we talk about in theological circles. I was also responsible for participating in a contextual education program where I spent about 10 hours a week at a church serving there in various pastoral capacities. In addition to this, I worked for Candler's Office of Worship, where I was in charge of leading two worship planning teams under the administration and leadership of a very type A wonderful woman, but I'm a very type B kind of lady. <laughs> and we were responsible for about one service per week. And because I've had to learn the very hard way how to say the word no, <laughs> and set boundaries and delegate responsibilities, most of the time, the bulk of the work that made sure these worship services actually happened the way they were supposed to fell on my plate. By the middle of the semester, I had gotten such little sleep that I had bags under my eyes pretty much every single day. I spent most of my time on edge and anxious that I was forgetting something and I'd run down my body so significantly that I was getting a serious sinus infection but still felt too responsible for so many things that I didn't feel like I could take time off to get well. I know this is probably a very encouraging message for the seminarians in the room. <laughs> This all sort of came to a head when I realized my Thanksgiving break was gonna be cut short due to some choir responsibilities. And so with this straw that broke the camel's back, I began to cry in the middle of class. I cried out all the stress, all the exhaustion, all the sickness that I'd been hanging on to for so many weeks. I had really come to the end of myself and I knew that I could no longer handle what I'd been holding on to for so long that this course load and this workload was really breaking me. The second most notable experience occurred during my 10-week intensive chaplaincy unit in a level one trauma hospital. Throughout the summer, my colleagues began to jokingly call me the angel of death because any time I was on call, between three to four people would die. Guaranteed, people would die every single time I took the pager or the phone to be on call. I'm sure this is also reassuring to everyone in the room. 
<laughs> in every chaplaincy group, they say there's always one person who magnetizes and attracts all the trauma and the tragedy, and I guess I drew the lucky straw. All joking aside, it was probably one of the most difficult summers of my life. In a matter of 10 weeks, I bore witness to a family on vacation have to grieve the unexpected loss of their mother due to a heart attack. I had to hold a six-year-old in my arms as her family told her that her father had died. I walked a family through the process of accepting the inevitable as the patriarch of their family went into cardiac arrest 11 times in two hours. And perhaps the most painful experience of all was staying with a family until three in the morning, caught in a gruesome and tragic scene as they watched their 21-year-old son slowly slip away after being hit by a car. Now, I don't share these stories with you to scare you or to traumatize you or to talk about all the stuff I've had to endure. I share these because these circumstances brought me to the very end of myself, as they would do to most anyone in this room, I'm sure. This response that I had to all of these situations was very much like the words of Moses in our passage. It really resonates with me what Moses says to God. I'm not able to carry all of this alone. It's too heavy for me. This response to the suffering of the Israelites is a bit different than what we see in the book of Exodus. In Exodus, in this Exodus account of the Israelites' complaints about journeying through the wilderness, we often see God's anger with their ingratitude, which is something we also see in our numbers passage for this morning. But we also often see Moses acting as the intercessor between God and Israel. After the Israelites crafted the golden calf in the book of Exodus, God was pretty much ready to just destroy them for their idolatry. But Moses negotiated with God to preserve their lives even though they had been unfaithful. But what we have in the Numbers passage for this morning is the complaint of the Israelites directly followed by the complaint of Moses. And the difference just might be that Moses has come to the end of himself. He's heard their complaints, he's interceded on their behalf, he is weary himself trying to possess hope for an entire nation, and he is just exhausted and longing for the end to be in sight, to finally get to that promised land. When we have reached this place in our own lives, it's isolating. We feel alone, we might even be alone. And it's difficult to go on doing the work of God because we just might wonder why it matters anyway. I'm not saying that this is exactly where Moses is, but he is burdened enough to ask God to put him to death rather than to go on leading the people, so it doesn't exactly seem like a far stretch. This is a really vulnerable place for Moses. And I believe God's response to Moses in this vulnerable time is important for us to notice. God does not, in fact, grant Moses' request to just polish him off the face of the earth. Instead, God commands him to gather 70 elders of the people and place them around the tent with him. 
And once they were gathered, God took some of the spirit that was upon Moses and placed it upon the 70 elders. When Moses became burdened with the ills of the people, feeling isolated as if he would crumble underneath the weight of bearing these burdens alone, God guided Moses to others who could share this load, those who could help him carry some of these burdens. God pointed Moses to the gathered community. When I think about those two very difficult seasons of my life that I shared with you a few moments ago, I distinctly remember there being a moment for me where I, like Moses, cried out in such a way, I cannot carry this alone. And just as God pointed Moses to his gathered community, God did the same for me. When I began to cry in class, which was horrifically embarrassing, by the way, a friend of mine took my hand and quietly walked me out of class, up the stairs, into the Office of Student Programming, and sat me down with an advisor who just made me a cup of tea and simply listened to me blab on and on and on about how overwhelmed I was and how stressed I had been feeling. And through that conversation, she gave me some permission to take a week off from some of my responsibilities, to assure me of the importance of taking care of myself. I left her office more calm, more at peace, and more empowered even to take care of me. When I was feeling overwhelmed and isolated because of the burdens I was carrying, the load I had on my plate, the gathered community took some of my burdens upon themselves. The morning after I had completed that grueling 24-hour shift at the hospital, bearing witness to yet another death, sitting with yet another grieving family in the wee hours of the morning, my cohort, my colleagues, my fellow chaplains gave me space to scream and to cry and to shout and to process and ask the vulnerable, hard, unanswerable questions of why do these horrible things keep happening? And why am I always the one who has to be around and watch them happen? That day, I had two colleagues drive me home. In the days that followed, everyone made sure to check on me, asking how I was processing my pain and my grief, reminding me that the tears would stop when they ran out. And until then, it was okay to just let them go. The trauma I witnessed isolated me in a way, but when I was overwhelmed with my grief and the horror of what I'd seen, feeling absolutely sure I could not bear any more pain, God guided me to my colleagues who sat around a table with me, my friends who laughed with me day to day, my gathered community. There's a beautiful significance to the movement of this passage, a powerful lesson in God's response to Moses, urging him toward community when the work of God became burdensome. This story is one of the many examples from scripture that remind us that we were made to be in community with one another. As God's people who are gathered in this sanctuary, 
God's people who are outside of these four walls this morning and God's people outside of our conventional understandings of church, we are made for one another. And our communal living involves doing the hard work of being vulnerable, being authentic. It means we are honest with one another. It means we look each other in the eyes and say, I cannot do this alone. It means we gather together to lift some of the load off of our sisters and brothers, and we willingly bear it ourselves. Because as we are called to live in such authentic community together, we are called to do the work of God in the world when we leave this place together. I think about the model of ministry that we've crafted as a pastoral staff and as a general church staff, one that is not from the top down, but one that empowers you, one that puts the ministry of this church in your hands, one that reminds us that it takes all of us to do the work of God in the world, not just your pastors, not just the administrative staff, but everyone gathered here has a vital role to play in the ministry of this church, in the work that God calls us to do in the world. But we cannot do it alone, for I assure you, if you try, it will be too much to carry. So may we be listeners of God and one another, May we listen to God's voice guiding us toward each other when the burden is too much to carry alone. May we lift the load from one another as God has called us to do. And may we, strengthened by God's spirit and our holy fellowship with one another, do God's work in the world together. In the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, I ask that you remind us of our need of you. That you remind us of our need of each other. That you remind us that we are made for one another. And God, that we would love each other in that spirit, that we would love all those outside these walls in that spirit. That we would be a people, a church, a gathered community that is honest with one another, that offers up some of our burdens and takes on the weight of the world together, lightening the load little by little. Give us courage, give us strength to do this through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.